Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. I don't know your heart today. My job this morning is uh, to remind you of what's required of us, and uh, I want to do my best to obey God and honor Him and what He's given us to share with you. But uh, listen, you can be a hearer of the Word, but that won't change you. You have to be a doer. Uh, you've got to let the Word of God find its mark in your life, right? Not not your neighbor, but you. And so as you, uh, as you follow along with us, I've got several scriptures I want to share this morning, so I'm going to stay close to, to the book here, but I want you to follow along with me because I want the Word of God to find its mark in you. Um, There's a day coming when it'll be the end. Uh, You may live to see a day when uh, the church is gone and you're still here. I don't know. Uh, But I know this, you have have an opportunity right now. And uh, you may reject that and you may go on into hell fully knowing that you've rejected Christ. But I want you to know we're going to do everything we can to continue to let you know that you don't have to. But you will have to accept Christ. You will. So I pray this morning that you wouldn't let anything stand in your way. If you don't have joy in Christ this morning, there's a reason for it. And you can get that settled this morning. Luke chapter number 13 Pray for us today. We humbly ask you. Verse number one, there were present at the season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus answering said unto them, suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Father, open our heart to this truth. We confess our inabilities are great, and yet we're trusting you to speak it into our soul. Give us, Father, the freedom, the liberty of your spirit, God, to clearly, Father, declare declare your truth. We pray that our hearts receive it, that we be obedient to respond to it. We ask this earnestly as we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I have a note this morning here that uh, I'd like to title the message, Get Real About Repentance, Get Real About Repentance. And obviously, when we read the first five verses of Luke 13, we found that what Jesus was saying to the hearers that day was, except you repent, you'll also perish. What we know about sin is that the wages of sin is death. And for those, friend, 
who've been born into this world, male, female, man, woman, boy, girl, we're all sinners. And because we're sinners, friend, we're, we're condemned to this, that death ultimately will find us. It found Adam and Eve, and it has all others since then. And yet what we find is that there is a way for you and I to be free of sin and the wages of that sin, not a physical death, but a spiritual one. And that's through Jesus Christ. And the point today, I I hope, is clear. But we have a response to the gospel. Uh, we, We cannot not have a response and expect there to be a change in us. And regardless of what it is that you do for God, I just want to be clear that whatever you do won't get you into heaven. The doing is not what gets you there. It's the believing. It's the trusting Him. It's the, it's the finding yourself at that point one day that you were a sinner. And you saw yourself as that sinner. And you cried out unto God. But Before we get real about repentance, I want to get real about why Jesus Christ came. Why He came. Now, you think about what, what he did do when the Lamb of God left the splendor of heaven and chose to take on a body born of the virgin, not of man, but of God, born of the Holy Spirit, and yet Mary conceived of the Holy Ghost, and, and from that Jesus Christ, the second part of the Godhead, God's only begotten Son, was born into this world. He was born into flesh. He was born into obscure circumstances, into poverty, into danger, into risk. And and all of this he did because he had a purpose in coming. He had a reason that he would come. And I want to start this morning by getting real about why Jesus came. I'd like to start from Mark chapter 15. Verse 29 is where I'll begin, but the you find Jesus on the cross. He'd lived a sinful life, and here they had nailed him to that cross. And it says, And they that passed by him railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, All thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priest, mocking, said, among themselves with the scribes, he saved others. Himself, he cannot save. May I say to you today that Jesus Christ did not come into the world to save himself. He didn't need saving. And as they foolishly looked upon him, as he hung on the cross for your sin and for mine, they said, He that saved others, let him save himself. But I want to be clear today that Jesus Christ, when he came to this world, did not come to save himself. He came to save you. He came to save you. And that meant that he had to stay on that cross, that the cross was meant for him. John chapter number 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
The purpose of Jesus Christ coming was so that you could be saved, that you wouldn't die lost without God and spend eternity in hell. Matthew chapter number 18 says, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Listen, if you think the coming of Christ today was arbitrary or irrelevant to mankind, I want you to know that you have missed the whole point. Jesus came for the specific reason of saving you from yourself. From that awful torment that's coming from the judgment of God to all unbelievers, Jesus Christ came to save you. The Bible said in Mark chapter number 2, verse 17, He saith unto them, They that are whole have have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Again, The purpose of Jesus Christ was to save you. Now, you may be here today, and I fear there's some among us that are here that have never known Christ as their Savior. They've never been born again. I want you to know today that he came so that you could be saved. He didn't come to call the righteous. By the way, there are no righteous. But he came for the sick. He came for them that couldn't help themselves. He came for the ones that need to be saved. Friend, he came for you today. He came that you might be saved. All that he went through, all that he endured, the suffering, the humiliation, a crucifixion on the cross. He submitted himself unto death itself and rose from the dead. He did all that so that you could go to heaven. And yet every day people die without Christ. They miss altogether why Jesus Christ came. (laughs) Uh, There's not an admission fee when you come in the door. We don't charge for this. Amen. Why? Because when Jesus came, he freely brought salvation to whosoever will. The opportunity to be saved today is clearly before you. And you're going to die without God one day if you don't get saved. And friend, you need to know that the reason he came. Listen, if we could exclude somehow from your mind that there was anybody else on this earth and just let you for a moment focus in on your own heart and on your own destiny, on your own future when you leave this world. Friend, I'd have you to know today that had it just been you, Jesus Christ would have come for you. He wants you to be saved today. He didn't come for the righteous, but he came for the sick. Jesus Christ himself would say, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, he's not hid the requirements for you and I. He's not hid for us what it's going to take. And we have to get real about repentance, and we will here in a moment. But I want you to get real about why he came. Listen, until you understand why he came, you'll never repent. (laughs) You'll never take serious what what repentance is all about. You're going to miss everything that God has made possible for a wretch and a sinner to go free. Listen, you might be indifferent to this today, but I am still grateful in my heart that he shed his blood for me, that I could go free, that I could be saved. He loves you today, and he wants you, friend, to believe that you might also go. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've already read to you what he said to those. He said, 
He said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you're going to also likewise perish. You see, it's not a question of what's going to happen at the end. He's been very clear. He's been very open with us that, that for those that refuse Christ, friend, there's a spiritual death. There's a dying where you'll never die. There's a torment awaiting those who reject Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. He is a God of love, friend. There's no question about that. He is a, his character and his actions has proved that billions of times over. And yet, hear me, he is a judge and he is righteous and he cannot look upon sin. And nobody will get into heaven unless they've been born again. He wants to save you today. The Bible said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. I love this verse. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. I tell you today, it's not popular, but repentance is still necessary. Kind of bothers me today, a church that doesn't have a mourner's bench. Doesn't have a place. I realize that the bench itself doesn't have any power. But it is a place. It is a place that can be pointed to. It is a piece of furniture within the household of faith, friend, that we look upon. And when we see it, we notice it as a place for the mourner. We recognize it as a place for the broken to come and to lay down their burden before God. We recognize it as a place where tears can be shed to a God that can hear and be born again. I'd like to know. Maybe I get to ask him when I get to heaven one day how many people have been saved on this bench. I was this very bench. It's the same one, Judy. I got saved right here. Broken before God. Desperate and lost. And I brought my tears to God and he saved me that day. We got to get real about this. Because there are people perishing without Christ. There are people that even more scarily, what they do is they'll come to church and they'll look as if they're a spectator and they'll think that somehow or another they have appeased a requirement of God for their soul. Listen, God is not looking upon your works or the things that you have done. God is looking to see whether his son's blood has been applied to your heart. There is no substitution for being born again. You must believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. You have to be saved. So we get real about why he came. Everything that he did when he came to this earth was so that you could be saved. He didn't come for himself. It's clear. He suffered. And in all of the things he he endured for you and I, he did all of that so that, that Rodney Mason could go free. He did all of that so somebody the likes of a Jerry Austin could get saved. He didn't do it for himself, friend. Let's get real about why Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth. He came for you. He came for you. If you think for one minute in your rejection of Jesus Christ, you'll stand before God and have one excuse to offer, I assure you, you will not. 
You'll say amen to your own condemnation because you'll know and you'll confess that you rejected the offer of salvation that was given unto you. You rejected the good Holy Spirit that spoke to your soul that day so sweetly and so directly. You rejected the very heartbeat of Christ that has come to rescue you from that eternal damnation. Friend, he came to save you. He came to save you came to save the world. It's not his will that any should perish, he said. Any. Not God's desire that any die without his son. But he will not make you believe. He will not force you to receive Christ. If you go to heaven today, it will because you did respond to the call of Christ who preached it very clearly and said, except you repent you'll perish. He didn't come to call the, the whole. He came to call the sick. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. His very disciples would preach it this way. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And my message is no different today. It's not changed. In the 2,000-some years since Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the message is still the same. You must be born again. You have to be saved. I'm looking back today on my, the reason my soul is broken is because I love all of you. My desire for all of you is that you go to heaven, but I cannot take you with me. I go alone based on nothing that I have done except Received Christ as my Savior. I'm going to heaven with or without you. In spite of whether you go or my parents go or my wife goes. I'm going to heaven because Jesus saved my soul one day. That's why he came. It's why he came. To save you. And yet you sit there still lost. You sit there this morning still somehow confused, bewildered by the enemy's lies that somehow you have found another way. There is no other way. You must be born again. The disciples said to repent and to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want you to notice today that what they began their message with was the little word repent. Now repent indicates that a person has been found guilty or is wrong. And they know it, right? Uh, There are things that you might repent of that you're not sorry for. Uh, That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, If you're not sorry for your sin today, you can tell God you're sorry all day long, but he knows the difference. See, God's the one that understands whether or not a person's really sorry. We're going to get to that. But it, we need to get real about repentance this morning. If, if, if getting real about Christ and the reason he came was so that you might be saved and that his message to you was repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, then if, if that's why he came then what's important, friend, is what you, what you do next with his word this morning, and that is that he came to save you 
from your sins. And friend, the beginning of that process is our repentance. So what really is repentance? Repentance is turning from sin and going the other way. For, for recognizing that your sin is wrong and that your sin, friend, is, is a transgression against the holy God. Recognizing that you have violated his laws, that you have violated his righteousness, and yet understanding also that he is the same one that is offering your penance. He is the same one that is offering you forgiveness. He is the very one that is saying, if you will confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I stand before you today righteous, not because I've done anything good, but because the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been imputed unto me. And that came through repentance. It came through me admitting that I was wrong, that he is right. We need to get real about repentance. Number one, repentance is required of everyone. That's the first thing I want, to, I want to state is that nobody is exempt from this. The need for one to repent is necessary for every human soul. For every person that comes to that, that, that day of accountability when they recognize that their sins are on them. That they are responsible for their sin nature and that we are in violation before a holy and a righteous God. Friend, that is the day when great (laughs) sweet conviction comes to our soul as the revelation of knowledge begins to pierce into our dark hearts and we see ourselves guilty before a righteous and a holy God and our head begins to bow and our heart begins to break and the tears begin to fall and we see ourselves undone without God. Friend, that's how a person gets to a place where they can see their need for repentance everyone has to repent none are excluded from repentance you say I got saved a different way no you didn't if the words of Jesus Christ is repent then that applies to all not to some not to just you or your family but it applies to all they must repent Follow me in Acts chapter number 17, verse number 29, Acts 17. It said, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. There was a time, friend, that the ignorance of mankind, God didn't absolve it nor did he overlook at it overlook it but the bible said there was a time that god winked at it there was a time that god looked at it and said there's a better way coming and i'm going to be gracious to you right now in your belief from these gods that don't exist i'm going to be gracious in this moment and allow a grace to cover what need be done. But he said, what God requires now, you say, what does he mean? He was waiting on that day when the Lamb of God would be born of that virgin curl, when he would be brought into uh, this life and yet live sinlessly 
when he would give himself the sacrifice for mankind, when his blood would be shed and offered unto God as the penalty, the payment for your sin debt, he was waiting for the day when Jesus Christ would come. And when that sacrifice was given, here's what I can assure you. Since that day, it has been required of every human soul that they repent. There was a day God might have winked at it, but may I say to you, not anymore. Now, God requires, read it, all men everywhere. Reckon that covers all? I think it does. All men everywhere. He requires to repent. If a man never gets to the place that he's willing to say unto God, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner, he'll never get saved. You say, preacher, surely just believing in Christ is enough. No, the devils believe and tremble, they do. But that don't mean they go to heaven. No, you say, what then is required? There is an acknowledgement, friend, of your need for saving. There must come that day. And oh, we try to be so careful. I do anyway. I try to be so careful when a little one comes to an altar. I don't want to mislead that soul. I don't want to direct their thoughts. And I don't want to tell them, do this or do that. I want them to be broken and know in their own heart that what I need is Christ. What I need is to repent before this holy God and ask him to save me. If we're going to get real about repentance, it starts with recognizing that all must repent. And that means you. Huh? Hear me. That means you are not excluded from repentance. And by the way, that whole lifestyle of repentance carries on after you get saved. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because <laughs> even for the born-again believer, there's, there are times in your life when you, when you will exclude the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in your heart because you have offended and grieved him because of your unwillingness to turn from your sin that he has told you not to do. He has filled your heart with the information and the will not to do, and yet you turned and did your own will. I'm telling you this morning, God knows the difference for those that are contrite and broken before him, and he recognizes, friend, and when a soul truly repents, God knows. It God knows it. If we're going to get real about repentance, we got to recognize that none are excluded from it. As a matter of fact, let me say it like this, Brother Paul you need it every day. The Apostle Paul, who we probably would kind of put up there on the pedestal as being one of the finest that we could watch or look to as a human, and yet what he said was, As I have to die daily, he was willing to admit that he had to repent daily. He was willing to say, I need repent, I need forgiveness of God. I'll tell you right now, friend, when it comes right down to it, there ain't anything sweeter in life that I know of than feeling forgiven. I love that feeling. Amen. Amen. 
I hate that feeling of conviction. I hate it when the conviction of the, God, of the Word of God and the Spirit of God comes upon my soul. I hate it when it, it keeps me awake and shows me my sin. But oh, how I love it when it has an effect on me and when it moves in me and it, it brings me to a place where I'm able to say I'm sorry. And friend, I'll tell you right now, I know what it feels like to have my sins forgiven. I know what it feels like to be able to raise up Friend, and a peace and a joy and a likeness knowing that I've got communion and fellowship with God. That comes when you repent. Listen, we don't take the mourner's bench out on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights. It's always here. How come? Because there's never a time that God's people won't need to repent. And this is just a place a place where we're reminded we can go to to repent. You don't have to be here, obviously. But it's as good a place I've seen. It's a good place. Everybody has to repent. But if we're to get real about repentance, then we're also going to have to recognize that everyone must be brought to repentance. Brought to repentance. Did you know that you won't repent on your own? If you left to yourself, you'll go right on down the road. And you'll avoid God, you'll avoid the sin, and you'll do your best, friend, to sweep it under the rug and say, well, I'll just do extra good over here and that'll cover for the bad that I did right there. Listen, God's economy, it don't work that way with him. I can tell you right now, God ain't ever missed one of your sins, nor has any of your good works ever uh, uh, disqualified a sin that you've done. Friend, you'll never be able to do anything that'll get yourself forgiveness on your own. One of the things that's required, if we're going to get real about repentance friend is to recognize that it takes something it takes something spiritual it takes something working friend in our heart to bring us to a place where we really repent unto God man don't just come to it of his own I was reminded of the Philippian jailer he wasn't repenting when they throwed him throwed Paul and Silas in the jail he wasn't repenting when they beat him he wasn't repent that wasn't none of that bothered him as a matter of fact, he went right off to sleep after he had locked them up. Wasn't nothing bothering. But when that old jail began to shake and when them bars flew open and when he heard them singing and some of them praying, there's something got a hold of him. There was something changed in that feller's life. There was something happened for him that hadn't happened before. You say, what happened? He got lost just like that. He got under conviction. There was something began to move in his life and it brought him to a place that he ran into Paul and he knelt down and he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? You see, there was somebody, there was some, someone that brought you to that place of repentance. Fooey on the notion that I just repent because I'm a good feller. No, thanks be unto God, there's something that abides, someone who abides within me. And friend, he knows everything in my life that ain't holy. He knows everything I think. He knows everything I do. He knows everything I've ever done. I'll tell you right now, the Holy Spirit's not fooled about me, nor my theology, nor my will or zeal. Friend, God knows all about it, and I'm so glad today that he's able to bring me to repentance. You say, preacher, how do I get to repentance then? If it's necessary, number one, that all repent, then, and, and it's necessary that we be brought to repentance, then what brings me to that place of repentance? Well, let's see what the Bible says. 
Because the Bible's clear about how man gets to the place where he'll repent. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse number 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner. May I say to you this morning, I'm going to finish the verse in a minute, but this is a godly manner of making you sorry, what we're doing right now. Now, we could go through a list of sins, but you know what they are. Right? I don't have to stand up here and tell you that to commit adultery is sinful. To be a fornicator is sinful. To have that foul and abusive language is sinful. To live in a, in a, in a, in a way of pride and selfishness, that's sinful. You know what they are, right? You're not new to this. And if the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, you've got, you're extra acute to those things that are sinful in the eyes of God. You've, you've got an extra sensibility about you now. If you've been born again, that every time that you sin, the Holy Ghost says, uh-uh, that ain't right. That ain't supposed to be in here. You need to correct this. You need to get right with God. I'm telling you right now, you say, preacher, you talk as if this is a, some arduous task. Let me tell you something. Conviction ain't easy. It's not comfortable. But I'll tell you right now, I'd rather have somebody tell me the word of God and preach me the truth and a godly sorrow fall upon my soul than to miss having fellowship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Something's going to have to happen to bring you to repentance. Well, according to the Apostle Paul, godly sorrow will do that. He said, you were made sorry after a godly manner. Now, this is a godly manner. That the man of God stands up before you, opens up the word of God and tells you truth. That is a godly manner. I'll tell you what else is a godly manner. It's looking at your friend and saying, I love you, Amen. but you're living wrong. <laughs> you say, we need to do that? Yeah. That's a godly manner. Yeah. Is to love somebody enough to care about them and say, look, friend, you're going down a road that's going to cost you. Yeah. You're going down a road that has at the very least excused you from the fellowship of God's Holy Spirit in your life and you need to repent and get right with God today. That's a godly manner. That's a godly manner. I've been listening to a song before and get convicted and have to drop and pray. I reckon that's a godly manner. You say, what happened to you? It brought a great deal of sorrow to my heart. Sorrow. Lord Jesus, we live in a world full of sorrow. We live in a world full of sorrow, but I ain't talking about it. No, that's the sorrow that's common to man. That's the sorrow that the heartache of sin in this world will bring. I'm talking about a different kind of sorrow. I'm talking about a sorrow that in after a godly manner, the truth has been presented to your heart and your soul. Friend, and you realize that you have sinned against God. There is a brokenness that comes on you. There is a contrite of spirit that enters into your heart. Amen. That's what's lost today in this world is a brokenness from sin. We need to recognize, friend, that if we're going to get real about what it means to repent, it's going to challenge you to be broken before God over your sinfulness. Your sin, according to Isaiah, is what separated you from Christ. 
what separated you from the fellowship of God's people and God's Holy Spirit is your sin. You say, what do I do about my sin? You repent. Somebody tell me any other thing you can do about sin. Nothing. You have a responsibility to deal with the sin that is in your heart. And here's what I'll tell you. You ain't going to do it until someone, something draws you. Till, till someone brings you to the place that you're ready to repent. And according to the word of God, what the apostle Paul said, when he wrote back to the Corinthians and 1 Corinthians and he, he challenged what they were doing and he told them it was sinful and he gave them the word of God. And, and the Bible said that when they heard that, when they read that in the church, they were convicted of their sin and they were broken and they cried out unto God and said, I'm so sorry. And they got right with God. And then Paul wrote back in 2 Corinthians and he said, I'm tickled to death, not that you was made sorry. He said, but that you sorrowed under repentance that after a godly manner your heart was broken and you repented unto God and now you have fellowship and Paul rejoiced in that. Let me tell you something. I don't rejoice in the sins of our people or me. There are things that bear on my soul and they never leave. And I cannot nor do I want to get out from under that burden. But I am burdened for those that live in sin. That know better. At least they say they know Christ. Because here's what I know. What he does for me, he will do for others. And what he does to me, he will do to others. And he has a way of bringing me to brokenness. He has a way. Oh, I thank <laughs> I thank God it don't take much. Now I'll tell you right now, son, don't live in rebellion against God. It needn't take much for the Lord to bring your heart to a broken place. My mom and dad ain't here. And I feel like I'm at liberty to say this. They wouldn't care. But I remember when I was growing up, Rick, that there was just a look from my dad. And I knew. And if he snapped his fingers, you better move right then because he wasn't giving you another chance. I don't want God to have to whip me. What in the world are you thinking, friend? You don't have to live right up to the edge where God has to punish you to bring you to repentance. No! He's got to look. That's what you need to be tuned up to. You say, where did I get that look? Lift it up, Larry. God will give you that look right out the pages of his book. When you get that, there ought to be something to say, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the one that's in sin, Lord. I'm sorry. If we're going to get real about repentance, we're going to have to recognize that, friend, there is something that must work repentance in you because you and your nature will never repent. Just ask the billions in hell tonight, today. If you're left to yourself, you will never repent.
But thanks be unto God, there was something happened to me one day. And I got broke. I got broken. David and Isaiah both, I believe it is, said in the Old Testament, said that the sacrifices of God are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. You want to know what God's looking for? It ain't the blood of a bull. It ain't, it ain't a lamb or a goat or a turtle dove or a pigeon. or a he- it, it ain't none of that. No, David said what God's looking for <laughs> is broken heart. And how do you get a broken heart? It normally comes out of his word. Or somebody after a godly manner telling me the truth. Somebody sharing with me the truth. And, and, and that I'll know, friend, when I hear truth, whether or not I violated it. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. If we're going to get real about repentance, we've got to recognize that nobody's excused from it, number one. But number two, you'll have to be brought to it. You're going to have to be brought to it. That means you need some help. And coming to church, I believe, is a great assistance for the people of God. Now, do I believe that we always get right with God every Sunday? You answer that one. But we had the privilege and the opportunity, didn't we? How come? Because this old mourner bench is here. You take it out, you might as well take me out with you. I ain't interested in the people that don't repent. Because if they don't, that means they're self-righteous and they're standing in their own abilities and that church ain't going to last long anyhow. Broken. 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 Contrite. Let me just do a quick survey. How many in here knows what it means to be broken after a godly manner? Oh, that looks like about everybody in the house. Are you telling me then that you know what it means to be brought to a place that you feel sinful? You know you're the cause. And your sin has found you out and that you need to repent. You're saying everybody knows what that's like. I believe you're, I agree with you. If you're a child of God, you know what I'm talking about. You have been brought to godly sorrow. We got to see it in revival this week. It was sweet, wasn't it? We got to see people just, I'm talking about run. You remember that? Just run, just bawling out, run, just fall on the altar and go to crying out unto God. I'm thinking to myself, that'll work right there. That person's getting somewhere. Don't bother them, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Whatever jerked them up out of their seat and run them to that bench, leave them alone. It's doing a good work. And they repented. But you'll find also that there's something else that can bring us to repentance. Romans chapter number 2, verse number 4. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Paul asked this question. He said, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God Leadeth thee to repentance? Well, now that's a totally different avenue. But it led to the same condition. Follow me here. There are times when it takes in a godly manner the word of God apprehending you. I'm talking about put the cuffs on you. I'm talking about grab you by the top of the head and stuff you in his holy car. There are times that it takes that. 
because that'll get your attention. Okay, well, yeah, that. (laughs) There are times when it takes godly sorrow coming in that way. But there are also times that the goodness of God can break you just like the, the other way broke you. Both of them lead to the same condition, which was the condition for forgiveness, which is broken and contrite. But both of them led to the same condition. Do you know that there are people that can be just as broken from having been apprehended by the Holy Ghost in sin and one who has been shown the goodness of God and his clarity? Here's how it works. When you began to open your heart to truth and you began to experience the, the, the work of God in your life, there are things like mercy that will trigger your heart to break. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about those times when you're minding your own business and you begin to contemplate the mercy of an almighty and righteous God who has been merciful to you, a wretch. And suddenly the brokenness comes and you see yourself as in need of repentance before God. It's the same thing working. It's the Holy Ghost working. But he works in different ways. He'll either bring you after a godly manner to a godly sorrow or by showing the goodness of God to you. He will break your heart. Either one of them end up in brokenness. Requires brokenness to truly repent. Because what God's looking for, friend, is not the things that you could do to pay for your own sin. But number three, he's looking for a broken heart. For thou desirest not, Psalms 51, for thou desirest not sacrifice. He's speaking of God. He said, you, you don't want sacrifices of bulls and all these lambs and stuff. He said, else, David said, I would give it. He said, no, he said, thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. The sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite heart. O God, in that case, thou wilt not despise. If we're going to get real about repentance, we've got to recognize that everybody has to repent. Nobody is excused from repentance. You say, preacher, I tell God every day, I'm sorry. Really? That's good. But was you really sorry? See, God knows the difference. How does he know the difference? Because when we get real about repentance, we find out that that everybody has to repent. But number two, you have to be brought to repentance. And number three, if the condition that you repented was not of a broken heart and a contrite spirit, here's what did not happen. You did not get forgiven period. The only condition that God accepts and will apply forgiveness is when you're broken. I'll contend today that brokenness is the best thing for New Providence Church. It's not riding high. It's not living in the clouds. No. It's in that simple recognition that whether it be the goodness of God that leads me or the godly manner which brings godly sorrow that leads me. I need to be broken before God every day. Because the only condition that God accepts 
for his forgiveness is brokenness. If we're going to get real about repentance, friend, we've got to line up with the truth. We've got to recognize that the way you've been repenting, God didn't hear that, right? Like, like, like when you had one eye closed and the other one half closed and you, you was almost drifting off into another world and you said, God, forgive me. Don't think for a minute he was confused Amen. about your contrition. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We need to get real about repentance. I mean, if I, if I had polled everybody as they come in the door this morning and said, do you think we ought to repent? Everybody said, yep, yep, yep. Sure do. But we need to be challenged about what it really means. If we're going to get real about repentance, friend, you, you have got to be of a broken heart and a contrite spirit or you didn't get forgiven. Because the only sacrifice that God's looking for is when you're broken in here. And that can come, God can, God can get you that way. And I'm praying that he get all of us that way every day. Amen. As a matter of fact, I'll give you a personal testimony. I like the goodness of God thing. Huh? I'll just tell, I'll be honest with you. I like the goodness of God deal. I can come in here on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning and lock myself in this place and I can just start telling God how great and wonderful and magnificent and loving He is and all that. And before I know it, I'm home crying, God, forgive me. That's how it happens mostly. You just get right in the middle of the goodness of God and suddenly you feel like a worm. The only thing you want to do is fall on your face and beg God, forgive me. I love it when he does, don't you? I love it when the Holy Spirit just cleans house. You say every day, every day, every day. We ought to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit's work that every day it only takes one thought of God's goodness to make us say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're living in a world that's going to take repentance to see it get right. Amen. Amen. So we better know what repentance really means. And it ain't going to your neighbor and telling them, right, your life story. And then patting you on the back and saying, it's all right. (laughs) You're not going to get any better until you get real about repentance. Thanks be to God, Paul. We have a place we can repent. Been that way since I was a boy. I've been coming here since I was a child. This old thing's been here the whole time. And it tells a story every time I come in here. Every time I sit right there and I look and I read Romans 10. And it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I remember the times that I've been upon this, this little piece of furniture. God only knows, Valerie, how many tears are on that bench. God only knows how many people have been saved right there on that, on that little piece of wood. I really want to ask him when I get there. I'd love to know that, wouldn't you? I don't know, Adam, but I know this. feels good to be forgiven. feels good to lay your head on the pillow at night and know it's all right. It's all right.
But if we're going to experience that, we're going to have to come get a song. If we're going to experience that, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to get real about repentance. We're going to have to recognize the importance of it. Let me finish with these three scriptures quickly. Romans 5, verse 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to know that the reason he came was to make a way that you could be forgiven. 1 Timothy 1, 15. I've done read it. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. James 4, verse 8, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that there's probably every time we come into the house of God, somebody that needs to repent. Ain't none of my business why you're repenting or what it's about. And nobody asks you, do they? Right? None. No, they'd be five people on this altar. But you know what? They're all doing business on their own. They're all trying to get right with God on their own. Repentance is precious. I'll tell you right now, it's the most wonderful thing that we as the children of God get to experience is forgiveness. And he promised me that if I'd confess my sin, that means you've got to be a broken heart or you ain't confessing, right? I know your nature is the same as mine. But when you get broken before God and you confess your sin, say, God, I'm sorry. It's on me. He said, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Brother, I know what that feels like to raise up from prayer every day and know what it means to be forgiven. And ain't nothing like it. You can't buy that high. No. If you want to experience that joy, that peace of being clean before God, hear me, you'll have to repent. No other way. You'll have to repent. Maybe you need to pray today as we stand to sing. If you need him this morning, the altar's open. I don't know your heart, but I know this. We're all sinners. That's what Paul said. Of whom he said, I am chief. No, Paul recognized the importance of emptying his heart before God in a broken and a contrite condition and experiencing the relief of being forgiven. He can give that to you today if you need it. Would you come?